Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Amen. I'm gonna. I want to get into this today, and um, as we feel a, a, a place of, of praying without ceasing in my heart, so I believe that that last prayer, Lord, covers this word as well. Um, I want to share a message today. If you're taking notes, um, I want you to write this down, maybe on your smart device or on a pad, or even on your Bible if you have it there. Um, we're gonna open up our Bibles to Second Kings chapter four. We're gonna start off in verse one, and if. <clears throat> As we are on 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, I want you to write this down. What do you have? If you want to make it personal, because I knew I was going to speak to more than one person, uh, but, but go ahead and write down and make it personal for yourself and write down what do I have, if that's going to help you any. What do I have? So that's my, the title of my message today, What Do You Have? And I kind of want to give you a framework of why I'm going to preach this message today. Uh, two months ago, I shared a message. If you remember, I brought a shovel up on stage. And if you uh, weren't here, if you don't remember it, I can't um, urge you enough to go ahead and go to YouTube and look up the message. And the message is titled, Dig Your Ditches. And... Um, it was a, a specific message that I felt was very important, at least for where I am at. And I told you guys that on Sunday. I'm gonna, I'll take this for myself. But I, leave it, I believe it was a word for many of us. And if you remember that message from two months ago, um, we said that we were all called uh, to be responsible. And to be responsible in digging uh, regardless whether we see the provision or not. We keep digging regardless um, whether we see the breakthrough or not. And we remain obedient, trusting in God's faithfulness for the breakthrough. And um, you, 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 I hope you notice this. I hope you don't just come here and, 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 and you're not catching what the Spirit is, is saying because I caught it, what the Spirit is saying. And it's a continual word of breakthrough. Um, on January 9th, um, we're going to start a church fast. And uh, I want to start the church fast, and I'm going to take this challenge for myself today. So I'm going to hear from the Lord, and I'm going to say, yes, Lord. I don't want it to be um, a, a fast of a religious... Of, of, I want it to be a fast that really means something. I want it to be a fast that I'm really hungering and thirsting for, for God's word, for his direction, for his righteousness in my life. I don't want it just to be, oh, like this is what the church is doing, so I'm kind of going to do it. But while I do it for the next few weeks, I'm also going to cheat here and there because fasting's hard for me. Like that's not what I want to do when I fast. When I jump into January 9th, I really want to push myself to one main thing, and I'm going to be uh, very transparent in this, and it's, Lord, I, 
I just want, if I want to hear from anything, I want to hear from you clearly. There are certain things in my life that I need to hear from the Lord. Um, not sure if there's anyone here that has certain things in their lives that you just need to hear from the Lord. Anyone in here? And I want to take this fast and really say, Lord, I'm not, I'm not fasting just so that I could receive from you. I'm fasting so that I could continue to die to myself as well. So that I could, so that I could die to the things um, that you're calling me to die to and that I could live in the things that you're calling me to live to. So in dying to myself, I also become alive in myself. Amen? And I want this fast to be different. And um, so what's going on here is the Spirit continues to mention this word breakthrough. And I don't want to take that word lightly today. And maybe next week again. And maybe January 8th again. Because January 1st, I'm going to ask you to please enjoy your time with your family. I would hate to ask you to come to church when you should maybe spend some good time with your family. Amen? And just really consider what a breakthrough looks like as you fast. Go back to October 2nd and listen to Dig Your Ditches. That was in chapter 3, that message. Uh, but then a short time um, after Elisha finds himself confronting, uh, you know, he confronted these three kings. But now a short time later, he's confronting another issue of shortage. And we find ourselves in the next chapter of 2 Kings chapter 4. And this time, it's not three kings that are thirsty and they're, uh, the military and their horses are dying. This time, it's a widow. And it's a widow who was desperate and a widow who was in great need for a miracle, a widow who was in great need for a breakthrough. And I want to share this story with you. And I really hope that the Word of God really ministers. When the Word of God ministers, it encourages but it also rebukes, it strengthens, and it also corrects. Amen? All right. In 2 Kings chapter 4, I'm going to read it and let, them, let the word really just um, settle in your heart. It says this, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets began to cry out to Elisha. She said, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. I mean, verse 1 is a lot to take in. When you read verse 1, if you have any kind of heart for anything or anyone, your breath should have gotten really heavy. <sighs> That's heavy to hear. That this poor woman whose husband just died, who was probably most likely 99.9% .9 chance, I'm sure, the provider of the house. And as he dies, she's scared for her life because now they're going to take her children to be slaves. So verse 2, <clears throat> Elisha says to her, what shall I do for you? Doesn't that sound like the right response? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Has someone ever come to you with something so deep, so profound, an issue that you don't have medicine to heal with, you don't have words to soothe, all you could do is just look at them 
And deep down in your heart, say, what in the world do you want me to do with that? Elisha listens to her and says, well, what shall I do for you? But look what he says next in verse 2. He says, tell me, what have you in your house? What's in your house? What do you have? And she says to Elisha, your servant has nothing. Everyone say nothing. That's what she tells him. Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And then he said, how many of you have read this story before? Okay. Then he said, go outside and borrow vessels from all your neighbors and empty vessels. And not, not a few. <laughs> He's basically saying, grab as many as you can. And go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all of these vessels that you gather. And, and when one is full, set it aside and keep pouring, right? Verse 5, so she went from him and she shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is no other vessel, mom. And the oil stopped flowing. I love that the oil longs to flow where the vessels continue to make themselves available. That's not my message today, but I, I had to really hold myself not to go that route and talk about being an instrument in which the oil flows. I believe that... Okay. Um, I'm trying to see how I should say this because I don't want to offend anyone or I'm trying to make sure I'm biblically correct. I believe that in moments of the shortage of God's glory, you don't have to look that far. The answer could be because there's a shortage of vessels for his glory to fill. Sometimes we pray like, Lord, fill the land with your glory. And he kind of whispers back and says, I'm trying, but I, I need you to gather all the vessels. Because he longs to flow through the vessels. Notice the story. I know this is not part of my message, but I feel like it's important. Notice that the vessel, uh, the oil stops flowing when the last vessel was brought. But when every vessel was being brought, they were all filled, set to the side, and another vessel was being filled. You're going to see, now as we read this, those vessels were for a purpose. None of those vessels were to stay filled None of those vessels were to just stay in their container in the corner of the house. Every single one of those vessels with what they contained was supposed to be for someone else. We're vessels that are filled with the oil of God, not to keep it for ourselves, but always so that others could receive from that oil. The moment that you don't, that's the part I didn't want to start preaching today. Because there's a lot of other stuff that I want to share, but you could imagine the moment when you don't do that anymore. Okay, the moment that you become the vessel that receives and stops pouring out, you've reached your maximum level of growth, 
and your level of influence and your level of reaching anyone anymore. Because you as a vessel that is filled with oil was never meant to keep the oil off of yourself. It was smeared upon you so that in return, you can now smear it upon others. I don't know if that's biblical. I just think it's so crazy that Jesus says, I'm going to go sit at the right hand of the Father, but don't worry about it. I'm gone, but I'm going to leave a helper for you, and he's going to fill you, and he's going to anoint you. He's going to smear you. What has smeared me will now smear you. I leave it with you. It's just mind-blowing when you think about that. Uh, I'm just going to talk to myself, but it just becomes about me too often. And when it becomes about me too often... That container that holds that stuff, when you open it up, guess what it smells like? It smells bad. Hey, let me ask you a question, and I love you, but I'm speaking to myself today. So as I ask you, I ask myself this. If I were to open your container today, is the oil that was poured into you, does it smell like stench because you haven't done anything with the oil that God has poured into this vessel? Mm. or because it's pouring and you know that as you overflow and you pour out the Lord continues to fill you you're not called to be filled everything in scripture says you're called to overflow so overflow means that there's a pouring a continual pouring because you've lived in a continual outpouring you're not filled if you lived as a filled Christian, you, short, you cause yourself a shortage of greater glories for your life. You're not called to be filled. You're called to overflow. And as you overflow, he continues to flow. These are, these, are, these are important things for us to recognize in our walk. It says, shut the door behind you. And she does this. And she poured and they brought the vessels. We're, bring more. I have no other. The oil stopped flowing. So she comes in verse 7 to the man of God. And she says, go. Go now, he tells her. And sell all oil. And look what he tells her. Pay your debts, you and your son, so you can live on the rest. I, I don't want to continue to speak about the vessels. So I'm going to stop there. And I'm going to talk about breakthrough. Um, I love how one person defines breakthrough. Um, this is how one person defines breakthrough. I'll read it to you. It says, breakthrough is most simply described as heaven manifested on earth. It is a byproduct of being in the presence of God as well as the authority that is given to us through the cross. I thought that was pretty cool when I read it. I wanted to share it with you. All right, so we see ourselves in verses 1 and 2. We only read verses 1 through 7. Let's stop there today. In verses 1 and 2, pause for a moment. Can you imagine this widow? She is facing a crisis that is too difficult for her to bear. It's so heavy on her. It's too much for her. So she runs to Elisha, just like in the last chapter, the three kings run to Elisha as well. And what does she do as she runs to Elisha? She presents to him the crisis. And the crisis that she presents is very severe. I want you to not read the Bible and take the Bible lightly. I want you to read, especially verse 1, and recognize this is a real story that really happened to a widow. And imagine if it happened to you. This poor woman had an issue. My husband, who studied and learned under you, most likely he studied and learned under Elisha because of her wordage. Under your teachings, he has now died. Like if that is not painful enough that her husband is dead, 
That right there should have ended it all. I get it. That's a painful thing. But it doesn't end there. It's, listen, her husband, <laughs> dead. But now she's all alone, and she's alone to mother her children. It, it continues to go on. It's deeper than just her husband being dead. And she's alone. And she's alone. And we read in the scripture, she's alone with debt and no source of income. Imagine being this woman with no source of income and having all of this debt. And by law, by law, this woman could not declare, because you probably thought it already, oh my God, declare bankruptcy. She cannot declare bankruptcy by law. Instead, by her law, they had to surrender now. She had to surrender her sons. And her sons now would become servants to the creditor and as payments to her debt. Oh, you don't have no more money? Give me your two sons. They now belong to me. I want you to really understand the culture, the law, and what's really going on in this woman's life. She's not just crying to Elisha, Elisha, I need help. I ran out of money and my husband's dead. It's deeper than that. They're also coming for my children who I love. That's all I have left. I want you to imagine this scenario. My husband is no longer with me, and now my sons will be taken from me as well. And I love what Elisha does. Elisha replies, how can I help? <laughs> how can I help? You heard me ask you this, that, you've, that statement, you've been there. Like, how can I help you? And you've probably said that to someone at some point in your life. That you don't know how to help them. So all that comes out is... <laughs> Is if there's anything I can do, please let me know. How many of you have said that to someone before? Hey, if there's anything I can do, please let me know. Because you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know which way to turn. All you say is, I need to show them that I'm there. I need to show them that I care. I, so, so if you need anything, let me know. But you know that as you say that, they're not going to let you know. You ever told someone, please let me know if you need anything? How many times have they really come up to you and said, actually, what I needed was like, you know that extra bedroom in your house? <laughs> Think I could rent it out for a little bit? Like, no, no, no one's ever done that. Hey, can you lend me your extra car? Hey, I, I, you know, you asked me that day, can you give me the, that, that $1,000? Like, it's really, you don't, you don't see that too often. I'm sure someone has probably told you before in your own crisis Hey, any way I could help, just let me know. And, and you heard that, and you're like, well, I'm not going to let you know. I'm not going to let you know. You're, you, you've probably done that. Or you've probably thought, there's no way that you could help me. Maybe it's something that you got yourself into. And you're like, ah, thank you. That means a lot to me. <laughs> Hopefully this makes sense to you. Elisha says to her, what do you want me to do? But, but immediately, because he's the prophet of God, and God's going to use him in this matter, and that's why it's written in the scripture for us to know, learn, study, and get so many different understandings and learning and teachings from it. Elisha then helps her gain perspective. You see, this woman, all she saw was what? D did you catch it? M my husband's dead. How you guys read that, right, with me? That's what she saw. My, my husband's dead. My, number two, my children are going to be taken away. That's all she saw. 
my husband's dead. My children are going to be taken away to serve in hard labor. Number three, what? I have no money. My, my life has fallen apart quickly. That's what this lady sees. There's no hope for me. Everything is crumbling. So Elisha starts off with, what do you want me to do? But immediately right after, he, he's going to help her gain perspective. And he tells her this. Ready? It's a question. Um, have you ever read the New Testament? Have you noticed like, what Jesus does? You present a problem to him, and he presents you with a question. No, I needed the answer, not the question. I feel like I'm not talking to the right people today. I think I came to the wrong church. <laughs> Have you ever prayed for an answer? But in your prayer, sometimes what you get is just questions. Why would Jesus give you a question when you, what you needed is an answer? Why would Elisha... Say, I'm in a crisis, they tell him. My husband's dead. My children are going to be taken away from me. I need help. And then he says, I got a question. What I need is an answer, not a question. All right, anyone, why do you think? No one. No answer is wrong. Except the wrong one. So good. Anyone else? I love that. Like, if anyone ever watches this, like on YouTube, like, oh man, what are they saying? Yeah. They were able. They show how faithful God is. Able to exercise critical thinking. Requires obedience. What? It requires your part as well. Our part. I don't know the answer. I'm asking you guys for it. <laughs> then the same thing. No. thought about something what's the answer you you want me to answer something that God wants to give you the answer to I said something 930 huddle you you want to know what's happened with our Christianity 
God, why do you have to preach this message here today? Like, I'm, I'm going to talk for myself. Did you hear me in 930 when I used the word codependency? Yes. Codependent. It's like coming to church and putting your eyes on me rather than on God. You're, co- you're codependent. Forgive any other pastor that made you put their eye on them. You can't be codependent on me or on a leader or on someone else. This woman runs to the man of God and says, I have a problem. He's like, what do you want me to do about it? (laughs) And she's like, after everything my husband has done for you, And then he goes, "Hmm, what do you have in your house? And a question after that. (laughs) Yeah. Because what is it that you could actually be searching from me that God hasn't already given you? And what happens sometimes is Western Christianity, the system of Christianity, it's our fault. We've done this. We made you celebrate the man of God and the women of God as there's some icon, the only icon, and the only great and mighty one is Christ our Lord. That's it. That's why I said, I don't know the answer. It's, It's the deal. It's the... These balloons are going away today. But it's, it's, the deal, it's the deal with the codependency. It's, tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you think her reply was? Seriously, what, what do you have in your house? She's like, how dare you? I just told you I have no husband, I have no money, and my kids are going to be taken away. That's what I have in my house. Let me ask you, do you think Elisha asked her what do you have in your house to get that answer? It's the same reason, it's the same thing that when there was 5,000, which we believe it was probably 15 or 20,000 people that were starving because they were traveling and they were hungry that day. And Jesus says, do you have food? And he says, all we have is five loaves of bread and two fish, but what is that amongst so many? What kind of question is that? Do you have food? That's as if you did not have food. Because maybe the question of do you have food was not necessarily the five loaves and two fish, Maybe the question, do you have food, was, are you overflowing with the food and the faith that I've given you that you know that I could do the impossible, uh, uh, the possible in this impossible situation? So when I ask you, do you have food to give them, it has nothing to do with the five loaves of bread and two fish. It's the food that I've given you, walking with you for three years. Do you have faith that the impossible could happen right now? And like, what do we do? Start handing it out and watch. And what do they do? It multiplies. Why? Because it has nothing to do with the bread and the fish. Bread and fish do not just multiply. The one that multiplies is the mighty wonders of God. The act there was a miracle and a breakthrough from God. It was not that the bread and the cracker, the fish, had magical powers to multiply. Man, we got to really take our eyes off certain things, man. 
I have no husband, no kids soon, no money, nothing, right? But let's look around and tell me what do you have? Sometimes, write this down, we must understand that in order to receive a breakthrough, it's not in complaining or focusing on what you don't have, but it's being faithful and trusting in the Lord with what you do have. Have enough food to feed the multitude, but I do have five loaves of bread and two fish, and I've seen God do it yesterday. Why can't He do it again today? Why? God never limits Himself. We do. If He did it yesterday, why not take a chance again today? He could do it. It's what you do have. Will you take what you have and will you put it to work? Will you put the little that you may seem to have to work? Uh, will you put it to work because in your faith you're rooted in this trust that the God that you serve will not leave you forgotten nor forsaken? Because what man calls impossible, we've come to learn that it is actually real possible with God. And this woman story she needed a breakthrough she needed a breakthrough here's my question to you question do you need a breakthrough do you need a breakthrough that's my question to you do you need a breakthrough because this woman did I don't know what your breakthrough means I'm not I don't mean like you're gonna oh my god I've been dying to walk on water that's not your breakthrough. Your breakthrough is, I've been living with sorrow and I want to be joyful again. <sighs> Do you want your breakthrough? Do you need a breakthrough? I once loved her, but now I can't stand looking at her. I once loved being a parent and I can't even, oh, when my child calls me. I once loved my job and now I can't stand my boss. I mean, when things switched on you because you had a different attitude and a different heart and a different spirit once, I'm really getting deep and personal with you because I want to get deep and personal with myself. I want a breakthrough in my life. Is there any other brother and sister in here that says, I too need a breakthrough? Like, oh, you want to play church? Okay, come back next Sunday. We'll celebrate again. But seriously, let's be honest with God. Do we need a breakthrough? Do I need a breakthrough? Do you need a breakthrough? Once and for all, I'm going to ask you this question. What do you have in your house? What do you have? It's, 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 she, oh, he asks her, what do you have in your house? And, and the question of what do I have in my house, it's still hard for her to answer. It's hard for her to answer. And you've been in her shoes maybe. Maybe not the same story. But you've been in her shoes. Watch this. She says what to him? I have nothing. I have nothing. I have nothing. Except a jar of oil. Does that sound dumb to you? We all said yeah. A lot of us did. It sounded dumb to me. But do you know how many times I've said to God I have nothing. Except a jar of oil. I know you're in here, and there has to be one or two, maybe all of us, that says, I said that. I have nothing except this. And it's like, okay, so 
You have nothing but and or except you have some oil. It's interesting, isn't it? Aren't we sheep interesting? Am I the only sheep in here? Aren't we interesting? Talk to me, sheep. We're interesting, you and I. So which one is it, woman? Beloved, which one is it? Is it nothing or is it a jar of oil? For this woman, guess what the answer was? Do you have nothing or do you have a jar of oil? You've been there. Watch this. What do you have? Nothing or a jar of oil? What's the answer? Both. Both. Because I'm in such a place that I have nothing and a jar of oil. Meaning that nothing and the jar of oil both become the same thing. I'm in a place of nothing. The answer is both. I know to the, to the knowledgeable person, um, to the philosophical mind, maybe it doesn't make sense, but do you have nothing or a jar of oil? And the answer is, yeah, right, both. Both. I have, I have nothing and I also have a jar of oil. And I know you've been there. I have nothing. But I have this thing. I have nothing but I have this. It's, it's a good place to be, church. So if you're there, like I've been there so often, so many times. If you're there, it's a good place to be. But it's also a very concerning place to be. It's good, but yet it's concerning. And it's how you see it. See, here's the question. What do you have? You should ask yourself that today. See, Elisha sees, listen to this. He sees it. As God's open door for a breakthrough, Elisha. Whereas the widow sees it as a limitation or something too minimal for a burden or an ask that is too grand. He sees it as, oh, watch what God can do. She sees it as, ah, nothing's going to happen. See, our breakthrough is not because we don't have it. Everyone say this and everyone write this or do whatever you need to do today. Ready? Your breakthrough is not because you don't have it. How about today I burst your bubble and I tell you this, your breakthrough is already in you. So when I ask you what do you have, your answer should switch from nothing and some oil to I have a breakthrough in me. I have a breakthrough in me. See, our breakthrough lacks because we fail to see what we do have can be our access to greater things or to miraculous things. For example, I went back to the multitude of five loaves and two fish. That's all they had, but all they had was okay in God's hand. And it was having a mindset of all God needs is a vessel to flow from. He doesn't need the material things to do the miracle. The material things is, I don't have that much oil. The problem was, woman, would you act in faith and pick up some more jars? The material thing is, Jesus, we ran out of wine. But the real issue is, would you be willing to pick up six more pots and fill it up with water and watch how I turn that water into wine? Because God doesn't need material things to do a miracle. God needs vessels in which oils can flow through. 
How about when I ask you, what do you have? The answer to that question is, I already have it in me. I have it in me. It's almost like saying, what do you have at home? Well, I, you know, I do it and, and we do it. But, but think about this one sentence, I have nothing. And, but they're like, oh, but you know, I, I have Jesus. Having that attitude, that mindset, we should switch that and say, wait, no, I don't have nothing, but yet I have Jesus. I have everything because I have Jesus. How many of us live serving the Lord saying, I have nothing, but at least I have Jesus? That's the wrong statement to have. When you're in Christ, you have everything because you have Jesus. No? I thought it was a true statement. I have nothing except a jar of oil. Well, tell me, what do you have in your house? This widow, what is even more surprising about this oil is that this widow, she just had this, this, this jar of it, and in this verse, it's a word that describes a small jar. You've probably thought, like I did when I first read it, oh, it had to have been a massive jar of oil. That's all I have, this tank. And then you start to read it in its proper language, like, oh, it's like a flask. It's like a little flask of anointing oil. It's not even a, a tank of, of cooking oil. She's walking around with a flask of oil. And that's how she takes out. This is all I got. It's a flask. And I'm reading the passage, and I'm like, oh, I thought it was like, you know, she was like a little bit of oil because she wa You know, it's just the things you do when you read the Bible. So it was not a large container. It was something small. But something small that represented anointing, oil of anointing. That's all God needs. Verse 3 and 4, <clears throat> go outside, borrow vessels from your neighbors, empty the vessels, not too few. Go and shut the door behind you, your sons, pour, pour out all these vessels, and when it is full, set it aside. I mean, come on, how many of you have read this in 2 Kings chapter 4 before? How many of you saw Jesus in it? Jesus is all over the Old Testament. How do I know Jesus is in the Old Testament? He does the same thing with the disciples. He does the same things in the New Testament. He does the same thing with the bread and the fish. Elisha is doing the same thing. Why? Because it's the same God that's doing this. Go, 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 go grab some vessels and, and do this. And Jesus tells his guys, like, go grab some containers and fill it with water. And he does the same stuff. Elisha. Tells her this, and then guess what? <laughs> this is great. I love this. The woman starts to grab vessels. Hey, excuse me. I'm sorry. I have to stand over here. Duh, 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 duh. Hey, excuse me. Yes, what is it? Can I borrow one of your jars? Yeah, why? Can you imagine me putting that position? All right, like my husband died, and you know what's going to happen. They're going to take my kids, but like a miracle is going to happen, and my little flask of oil is going to fill yours up to the brim. Can I borrow it? Can you imagine how weird that conversation was? I would have said, this lady's lost her mind. Like, after her husband died, it's not going good for her. She lost her mind. She grabs one container. She puts it in her house. Oh, my God. She grabs another container. She grabs another container. She brings it to her house. Boom. Another container. And it's awkward. Everything is awkward about this story. If I was her neighbor, I would say, oh, my goodness, I need to call a crisis hotline. She's lost her mind. 
And then she's picking up all these containers. Elisha says, go get as many as you can. Hey, seriously, look at what a man of God he is. Come on, because I know we have some men and women of God in here. He is such a man of God. He tells her, go get some more containers. Look what he does next. Ready? What does he do next? Nothing. He doesn't even pick up one container for her. I mean, what a man of God he is. Could he not, the least thing, could he have not just said, I'll help you. I know you're going through a lot. Actually, I have a crew at our church. We have a ministry that does this. Let me call the men, and they'll come and pick up all the jars for you. He doesn't do that. He's like, go to work. Go get your jars. The woman's probably crying as she's picking them up. I can't believe he's not even helping me. I can't believe I'm doing this. It doesn't make any sense. I watch, guys, I have so much to say that I don't have time to say it all. You're gone to get some vessel to fill up. How many of you can say, shame, Elisha? Well, Jesus could have gone and could have also taken the six empty jars and filled them with, with water at that wedding too. You know that, right? But for whatever reason, Jesus like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. You go pick them up and fill it up with water. Jesus could have told the disciples, Pass out the food, and they're gonna be like, and you're not gonna help? He says, nah, you guys do it. I mean, Jesus and Elisha, they're doing pretty much the same thing, and Elisha tells the woman to do it, and how about he's telling her to do it because she needed to have and she needed to find faith for herself. So your breakthrough is not having someone else walk through it, it is found in having faith that God is with you as you walk through it. How many of you? are not where you need to be because your blame is on someone else. When Elisha is pointing to this woman and says, it needs to be on you, let your faith activate. You know how many times I've been there where I've blamed everyone and their moms and God's like, you're the problem, Regal, and your oil smells. Smells really bad. I can't do this while being transparent with you. I've been, and they watch this. My pastors watch this. Actually, the president of our fellowship watches our, our, our sermons. I've been mad at my very own pastors. And God puts the finger at you and says, and what's your issue? <laughs> you know, God's, isn't that beautiful? So this woman had to figure it out for herself. And I wrote this down. It's not having someone else walk through it. It's fine, finding faith in God. I think about Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. They were like, oh, my God, I can't believe none of the other Christians are coming into the fire with us. Three guys all by themselves. But they had to walk through the fire. And guess who walked with them? Yeah. One in the image of the Son of God began to dance with them. Scripture tells us of the three Hebrews who went into the fire, and the fire did not scorch them, neither the smell of smoke was on them. Your breakthrough, come on, it's learning to dance in the fire with God. A joy that no money, man, accomplishment can stand before. It's you and God. How many of you could say amen? 
So we know the rest of the story. It says, so she went from her house, shut the door behind her and her son. She poured out the vessels for her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring another vessel. And they said to her, there is no other vessel. And the oil stopped flowing. And she came and she told the man of God. She says, well, go sell the oil now, Elisha says. Pay your debts and you and your sons can live on the rest. Let me mention something else about breakthrough as we get ready to close. Here it is. Ready? Breakthrough, it's not for the lazy. Write that down. If I want a breakthrough in my life, it's not for lazy people. Lou's over here. And Lou Rock's over here. Both Lou's are here. So Lou's. Our greatest breakthrough is found in who and where was it? Listen to this question. Our, our, our greatest breakthrough is found in who and, and where? Like, explain to me that scene. It's found in, in our ability to listen to the calling and practice, practice and pursue it, grow. Okay. And bring the people. So our possibility of even having a breakthrough is found in who? Our ability to have a breakthrough is found in who? In Christ, right? We could start there. So how did Christ? So how did Christ bring a breakthrough in our lives? Oh, Siri, she needs to get saved too. So, ready? So Jesus knew they need a breakthrough, and how would He bring that breakthrough? Uh huh. But He had to do what? He had to die on the cross, but then came the resurrection, right? Does that sound like a lazy person to you? He, he showed us with his own life, if there's going to be any kind of breakthrough, let me demonstrate. It's not for the lazy. It's not for the dormant. It's for the one that is willing to go through the suffering for the glory of God. You're going to go through it, but you're going to see that I'm going to go through it with you. Watch me dance with you in the fire. So where's your dependency on? Christ. Gerson's preaching, right, in a couple months, right? Aren't you, Gerson, up here? And when Gerson comes up and he preaches, my dependency is not in the man of God. If I look at you, Gerson, do I see Jesus? Because that's all I want. It's in Christ. It's not for the lazy. She had to put the work in and grab the neighbor's jars. Imagine answering those questions. Well, why are you grabbing these jars? Well, the prophet kind of told me that God was like kind of going to do like a miracle, you know, like, you know, you've been there, right? When you've had to like evangelize and it's kind of really nerve-wracking. Kind of God like touched my life, kind of like when I was like, kind of, I was like insane, kind of smoked weed here and there, kind of look a little bit. God kind of touched me and it was a revival kind of fire in my heart, kind of now I'll go to church. And it's like weird to use the words because it's like, oh, it's a lot. Imagine that awkwardness. Many times being obedient to God is foolish to your neighbors. How many of you really need a breakthrough in your life? I'm going to be the first one on the altar today, okay? Your pastor. The one that you hopefully you don't depend on <laughs> will be the first one on the altar saying, Lord, give me that breakthrough that I'm believing for. 
And I know that when I'm asking for those jars, I know to some people around me, being obedient, it's really awkward. But come on, has God not taken you through so much already that you have not recognized that your call is the awkward call of God already? Elisha was awkward. Elijah was awkward. John the Baptist, awkward. And they were all awkward in a different kind of good way. Jesus, yeah, he was awkwardly amazing. Everyone was, they were just different. Our, one of our codes, hence one of our codes, we are not normal. I hope you, I wonder if you really believe that, that we're not normal, that you're not called to be normal. The actual answer is to be remarkable. See, you can't be lazy. I'm closing, I really am closing. You can't be lazy, yet wish for God's breakthrough. Because you must put to work, even with the little that you do have. How many of you need a breakthrough in your life? Now, how many of you could say, I know I at least have a little bit in my house. That's enough. Let's come on. Let's open up that flask. If you need a breakthrough in your life today, let's open up the flask. How many of you would open up your flask with me today? And say, I'm going to start pouring this sucker out. Because I have this. And what I have is just enough. I'm not going to be lazy with it anymore. Oh, it's going to be good now. I read this and I want to share with you. I wish I knew who I read it from. You have God in the measure in which you desire him. Only remember that the desire that brings God must be more than a feeble, fleeting wish. Wishing is one thing and willing is quite another. Lazily wishing and strenuously desiring are two entirely different postures of mind. The former gets nothing and the latter gets everything. They get God, and with God, all that God can bring. Come on, tell me, church, seriously, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? The principle of this miracle is the same as dig your ditch. In the previous chapter, when we preached it in October 2nd, the principle is the amount of man's work. I know I said that. Your work. Oh, but I thought it's not based off works. Nah. The amount of man's work with the miracle, there's God's work. Determined the amount of blessing and provision actually received. God's powerful provision. God's powerful provision invites our hard work and never excuses laziness. All right, I'll keep on going. I want to do something different today, and I want to break all tradition today. I hope, hope, ladies, you could do something special, anointed, and led by the Spirit of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I want them to maybe sing something over us. But this is my, 
my thoughts today. My thoughts today is, um, like January 9th, we're going to start a fast. And that's good, and, and I want to start like that. I want to line ourselves, and there's a lot of stuff that I have in my, if you were in my mind, for 2023. And I know I've talked to Walmart a little bit about some of these things, some of the stuff that God's leading me to. I need to come into prayer for it because to some of the things, guess what? I need money for some of the things, and I don't have the money. But the problem is, or the good thing is, I know the one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the one who makes streets out of gold. So I don't have to wait for the material things to be obedient to God. I need to live in the breakthrough and just watch God be God and do the miraculous with the things that I have no answer for, the questions that I don't have the answer for today. Lord, I need breakthroughs, personal breakthrough in my life. And I have this flask and today you asked me, Regal, what do you have? And I'm like, well, I got this flask of oil. But today, Lord, I want to change my posture. And today I will not say I have nothing. How many of you today are going to take a stand with me and say, I'm not going to say nothing again? So when you say to me, Regal, what do you have? My answer to you, Lord, is I have everything because I have a jar of oil. I have everything because, because I have the oil, the anointing. I have everything because I have the Christ that lives in me. So Lord, my breakthrough is in me. Forgive me for allowing anxieties, depressions, worries to, in, to um, disable me to not believe that there's a greater call in my life. But thank you for allowing me to understand that today there's a greater because I tell you today that I have everything I need to do everything that you've called me for. All you need is this vessel to learn to say yet again, yes, Lord, here I am. Your servant hears. Send me. So I walk to the multitude with a cracker in my hand and a piece of the fish's tail because I had to rip the other half and give it to my brother and believing that as I give this piece of cracker and this little piece of meat away, that God somehow, if he did it yesterday and was able to multiply it, today is no different. There's going to be greater glories for this day. And he's able to do this and so much more. But will I be the vessel in which the oil pours out of. Lord, I need a breakthrough. Here I am. I have everything in you. Your servant hears. Send me. This is what I would love to do. If you need a breakthrough today, let's fill up this altar. Let's push some of these chairs back. You thought you have to wait for January 9th. You don't. 
We're going to start believing together. We're going to start being the church together. And we're going to say there's a breakthrough living inside of me. Come on. If your breakthrough is with that person sitting next to you, grab that person by the hand and say, let's go activate the breakthrough. If you got to take a child outside of that room, go back there and say, I need my child. I need to grab them by the hand. And I need to tell them, come on, we're going to go and get our breakthrough. Come on, whatever it is, I want you to come up here and say, I'm going to activate the breakthrough. It's enough in me, Lord. It's in your time. It's your purpose. It's your will. All I need to do is activate the faith. I need to walk in this, Lord God. I'm not going to be lazy no more because I've allowed anxiety to cause me to be lazy. I've allowed depression to allow me to become lazy. I've allowed my lack of faith to bring me to laziness. But no more, Lord God. Activate the breakthrough inside of me. For I am a mighty warrior of God. For I am more than a conqueror, Lord God. For I am above and not beneath, Lord God. I, Lord God, am a son of God who sits in heavenly high places. Come on. Here's my breakthrough. It starts with you. Change your perspective today. You do not have nothing. You have everything you need. Come on, what do you have? Beloved, what do you have? Don't be scared. Fill up the front. Come on, fill up the front. What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? I have everything. No longer do I have nothing. No longer do I have nothing. No longer. Help me out, Omar. No longer do I have nothing. Fill up the altar if you need to. I have everything that I need.
want to be mobilized by you, Father God. Every step that we take, Lord Jesus, we want it to be yours, Lord God. Fill us, Father, with your love. Pour out your power this morning, Lord Jesus, in all the areas of our lives that need breakthrough, Father God. We know, Lord, that it is up to us to bring that flask for you to fill and pour out, Father. Pour your power out. Did you bring your flask this morning? Did you bring your flask this morning?
Elisha and call it out of people and that we would yell it that we would scream it out that we would bring people back to perspective and that we would be able to yell what do you have and that we would call it out of them Lord God that we would call out the breakthrough out of them you've called us for this Lord Lord we give you this time Lord we give you this moment Lord, be glorified in all of it. Hallelujah. What do you have? You have everything. You have everything.
because we know that we have everything, Lord. And that's a confession that had to happen deep within us. I thank you, Lord. You are so good. anyone's heart just burning and, and you know that you have something that you need to share if, if there's anyone's heart anyone oh, I'll give you a minute to think if that's you if not if, if when I said that if they didn't confirm it then don't don't try to come up with something just want to make sure if there's anyone here that feels like man I feel like I need to share this if not Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Scripture is so clear. There were two or more gathered. And we thank you that today faith has been lifted. You're worthy, Lord. So I'm going to stand here and say that God is faithful because on Friday, one of my biggest prayers was that this Sunday, people surrender things in their heart to examine themselves, to reflect in themselves in their hearts, and to surrender those areas that you're not allowing God to work in you. Because 2023 has to be a year of breakthrough. We cannot be the same. We cannot continue to just sit there and stagnate. We have people out there that are suffering, that need to hear the word of God, that need people to love on them because this world could be so unlovable sometimes, but we're the light, but it starts within us. And we, my biggest prayer on Friday, it's a sacrifice to wake up at 5.30 in the morning every Friday because we all work but I am grateful for the example that my pastor puts in all of us and all the leaders that I have decided to step up and show up at 5 30 a.m prayer it's a sacrifice but it's a worth it's a worthy sacrifice because we intercede and my intercession on Friday was for anybody that needed to surrender that 2022 you cannot go into 2023 carrying the same things we need to be different. We need to go out there and preach the gospel. We need to be uncomfortable in order to do this work. So God is faithful. What I'm seeing here today is God's faithfulness because all of you are here together praying for one another. We're all carrying hurt, but I am grateful to the Lord for what he's done here today and everything that he's gonna continue to do this year and in 2023. 2023 is not going to be the same. We're gonna be all different. We're gonna represent Jesus the way Jesus is supposed to be represented. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Amen.
Amen. We give this day to you, Lord. In it and through it all be glorified. Bless our kids today as they have an event. May the presence of God continue to fill this place. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. You're so loved. You're so loved.